0: Welcome to Hannah's Heart.
1: So Hannah, she's just one
2: of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her.
1: So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like... Hey, why
2: are you drunk at the temple? (laughs) Because it can become an obsession when you want a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, but this is a show that says, however, God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hey, I'm Anne. And I'm Kendra. And you are listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. We're so glad you're joining us. If this is your first time listening to the show, this is for couples that are struggling with infertility or miscarriage. We also love to talk about adoption, foster care, miracle babies, however God ends up writing your story as you build your family. We want to come alongside you on that journey. Um, we would love for you to connect with us. If you would like to email us, our email is hannah heart at afa.net we love getting your prayer requests your comments we just had somebody um and was it from the philippines mm-hmm, from that the wrote philippines. and said we listen every single week to mm-hmm. hannah's heart so shout out to to some of our our great um listening family that's being formed
1: yeah, i thought that was so neat um so today on the show we have two calling guests that i'm super excited to get to know i got to know just a little bit as we've talked back and Mm -hmm. forth about having them on and scheduling them i've gotten to know their story just a little bit but i'm excited to know more today we've actually talked about this term before Mm -hmm. on the podcast snowflake adoption yes but I don't feel like we've ever gone into much detail Mm -hmm. in that. We've just kind of glazed over it a few times. Um, Let alone met one. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Um, So today we are going to talk to the very first adopted snowflake and her mom, Miss Marlene, and then Hannah. Thank you all so much for coming on today. Are you all with us? We are. Thank Thank you for having us. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you can tell they're family, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, we're so excited to have y'all on today and to get to know y'all more. Um, could we start out just a little bit by um, maybe Miss Marlene telling us a little bit um, about your family and how we even got to this story?
0: Sure. So um, my husband and I, John, uh, we've been married uh, since uh, 1985, and um, in about 1996, um we decided we needed to go through infertility treatments and our our treatments began and they became more and more high tech until, you know, we reached the part of doctors suggesting um, in vitro fertilization, IVF. Mm-hmm. And I was uncomfortable with that. And, um, you know, I knew they were going to try to pull as many eggs and make embryos as possible. And I shared it with a coworker and I said, you know, wonder if I have all these remaining embryos, you know, I, I just I wouldn't know what to do. And she said, well, maybe you can place them with another, with a, with a, you know, a Christian couple. And I go, oh, are they doing that now? You know, and she kind of shrugged her shoulders. So I kind of had that thought tucked away Mm -hmm. in the back of my head. And, um, but we, we went in for our final treatment and the doctor said that actually I was not producing eggs anymore. I had premature ovarian failure. Mm -hmm. And so I was devastated, you Mm -hmm. know, and, but, and, and we did not like the um, options he gave us, which was using donor eggs with my husband's Mm -hmm. sperm because that would be creating a life outside the marriage bond. And whatever we did, we felt had to be first and foremost honorable before God. So that thought came back to me and I said through my tears, do you have any embryos, frozen embryos that we could adopt? And the doctor said, well, I've got tons of embryos, but nobody's ever asked me that question before. Wow! So that's kind of how this started. Now up until that point, and as is today, you can still do donor programs through your infertility doctors. So he has these frozen embryos from other patients and you look at a list and you choose one, you know, based on eye color, hair color, you know, Uh skin color of the placing or the, the people that provided the egg and the sperm. And we actually, a doctor had actually done that with us one time and I handed me this list and I said, this is how you choose your car based on options. I said, this is not how we're growing our family, you know? Mm, Right. So, so that's how the whole seed of actually adopting embryos began. So um, I wanted to know, again, is would this be honorable before God? Because when you go through uh, artificial reproductive technologies, they are throwing so many things at you. Yeah. And each time, you're just, you, you. first of all, you want a baby so badly. But then you're like, well, at least I was, you know, I'm like, oh, wow. How, what would God think about this, you know? Yeah. So um, I I reached out to get guidance on what would God think about this. I went to trusted pastors in our congregation, but I also reached out with Dr. James Dobson, who at the time was at Focus on the Family. He actually called me back the next week. (laughs) And all of the people that we talked to, and he said he didn't know what to tell us, that he had to get counsel. Mm -hmm. He'd never been asked that question before. This was in 1997. But everybody confirmed what John and I knew, and that life begins at fertilization, and if the original family is not going to go back and get these frozen embryos, then yes, they need to be placed for adoption. Uh-huh. So that gave me the courage and, you know, yes, this would be honorable before God. We went to um, Nightlight Christian Adoption. We knew the executive director because we'd gone to the same church, our families growing up, and I used to babysit his kids. And he talked about his international program and his domestic adoption, you know, with the birth mom. And then I said, well, Ron, this is what we want to do. We want (laughs) to adopt frozen embryos. He didn't even bat an eye. He absolutely understood what we were talking about and that there were these remaining frozen embryos that doctors have. So that's how this whole program got started in 1997.
2: Wow. Marlene, I love your heart that said glorifying the Lord and honoring Him is more important than my desire. That's right. Um, And I think a lot of Christians, couples, need to hear your story and need to pause in the middle of their great desire to have a child to think through just because something can be done in a petri dish doesn't mean that it's God-honoring or life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back, if you don't mind, for just a minute and clarify. Some of our listeners um, might be listening for the first time and aren't exactly familiar with the in vitro fertilization process. So when um, can you tell us a little bit more about how these extra sure. snowflakes are created?
0: Right. So, so families... Um, and women that participate in this um, are basically given um, drugs to stimulate their ovaries to produce multiple eggs. And typically, typically we, pr- we produce one egg a month, right? right. Well, right. they want to harvest more eggs, so you're given these high, powerful drugs that are awful, <laughs> to tell you the All truth. Right. And the doctor will go in and extract the eggs, put them in a Petri dish with the sperm, and then these Uh, The sperm fertilized the the eggs. Then they look at the ones that maybe look the healthiest, maybe two or three, put those back into the woman's womb that hopefully she will get pregnant. But now in the Petri dish, they have all these remaining frozen embryos. So they freeze those for future cycles. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is women have their children. She might get pregnant that first time, you know, with twins or triplets. And the couple decides, okay, that's enough for us. You know, we can't parent any more children. But now these frozen embryos remain in limbo, you -hmm. know. So are we going to donate them to embryonic stem cell research, which is not God-honoring because Mm -hmm. that kills the embryo, right? Um, Keep them frozen forever. Donate them to my doctor who may find another couple, but then you would have no idea whatever happened to those embryos. Were any of them born, you know, because those are genetic siblings to your own children, Mm -hmm. you know. And so that has complications down the road. If you don't know where those children are, you know, your own children could be dating potentially wow. their own genetic siblings, you know. So so that's that's kind of IVF. Hmm.
2: That's very helpful. I think I'm breaking it down for couples. And you also said um, that you were presented with the option of a, a, a donor egg. Um, and I know we've had some of our listeners ask about um, donor sperm or donor egg. Can you clarify a little bit more why you decided that that option didn't feel God-honoring?
0: Right. Um, because that, like I said, it's creating a life outside the marriage bond. So now you have one partner, the the husband or the wife, who's using their genetic material with, with somebody else's. So you're inviting a third party into the marriage bond, basically, to create this child. And I think the overriding question you have to always ask yourself is, is that in the best interest of the child? Is that in the best interest of the child to be created that way? Or is it in the best interest of the parents because they want to be parents? Mm. Now what we're seeing down the road and what we've seen from some of these people that have been that have provided like donor sperm and these are basically college students a lot of times who can't afford tuition. Yeah. So they're selling their sperm or they're selling mm. their egg. But I, I watched the documentary years ago, and they followed this one man who had donated his sperm in college, and he said he needed it for money. But he had fathered 300 children. Wow. And counting. Because, oh, you know, you're not the only one that's getting his sperm. Right. right? So now there's 300 half siblings out there
2: mm-hmm.
0: that don't know who the, each other's are, right? And again, some of them could be dating at some point. Right. And so there's all these complications down the road. And you think about it, you know, is that honoring to God, right? Right. Um, And just to be clear, if anyone's
2: listening to this and you were conceived in that um, method, just know every human life, no matter how it comes into this world, is sacred and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Um, If you are a couple who maybe has already made a decision to do that, Um, our God is not a God who has come to condemn but to save the world. Um, But the reason we bring up this discussion is because I think a lot of couples get confused by the science and the desire to have a child, and we need to just put the brakes on for a minute. And really, uh, Marlene, just like you said, really think through what are the moral implications of what we're doing. So we're not here to condemn anyone, but we right. want to make you take this back to God and, and get in your prayer closet about every decision you make. Yeah.
0: And absolutely. And I didn't, you know, mean to sound disparaging. Oh, not at people, all. But those, <laughs> are, those, are the, those are the realities yes. of it. And And definitely, you know, if there had been a child that was frozen in place for adoption, which many have been that are created with donor egg or donor sperm, and we felt called to adopt that child absolutely you know because that child's already here right. and you know you know loved by god just like the rest of us yeah, that's so true.
1: I feel like I'm my mind just kind of gets blown hearing these things because that <laughs> it's
2: even possible,
1: right? Because I'm I don't know so much about this stuff, Kendra. I feel mm-hmm. like you
2: having to look into this for yourself and considering your it made me like I don't know what I think about this. I got, yeah, I did the same yeah. as Marlene. I was like looking at pastors online. What are other people saying about this? What does God's Word say on this right. issue? See, and I know, this sounds so,
1: I'm not saying anyone should do the way that I mm-hmm. did, but when they started bringing this up to me and like, this is how, you know, like, we're not going to do any more treatments here. Basically, this is, you're going to be the only way you're going to have a baby. It just scared me so mm-hmm. much to even think. That slam door yeah. is a
2: very scary feeling. Yeah, So
1: I didn't, I had not even started the process yet wow. of Looking even just starting to look into it like I should have. So this is just so, so interesting to me. And then, yeah, I totally, I don't think I realized how much you needed to look into this mm-hmm. morally and
0: biblically
1: to mm-hmm. make these sound decisions.
0: And that's why I think I've come up with that one question, you know, is this in the best interest of the child? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the kind of viewpoint you need to go off of, is always keeping the child first, <laughs> you know. and and looking what the ramifications would be for that child later in life, you know, so. So
2: getting back to the practical aspect of how this worked out for your family, because it had never been done. So the adoption agency that you worked with, you knew the lady, but like, were you presenting this idea to her? And like, can you help me facilitate this? How did that go down?
0: Right. So, well, so we needed an attorney, you know, I I had no idea how this was going to, you know, happen. And so Ron who was our attorney, he had to look into how would you adopt a frozen Mm -hmm. embryo um, and the legal status of these frozen embryos um, back in 1997 and in most states today is property. They are not considered human life. So um, what he did was he um, devised an adoption agreement, um, but using adoption terminology and adoption best practices. Mm. So they're not going to, it's not considered, legally it's considered a transfer of property, but but in adoption terms, terms, it's relinquishing of the embryos by the placing family to the adoption family. So my husband and I, for our end, we completed all the requirements for the state of California for adoption, which included a home study, which is like an FBI background check and um, medical records and... Um, uh, financial information, adoption education courses, uh, social work visits to the home before and after the child's born. So everything you would do for either domestic, you know, or international type adoption um, for a home study. And again, this is in the best interest of the child. And also it's to help the placing family, you know, they are placing their children's genetic siblings with you. You know, they want to yeah. make sure that you're fully fully vetted, right? Yeah. And also, um, they also use um, encourage ad- open adoption, and which we have. And, um, you know, at, at minimum, it's just basically knowing who everybody is. is. Mm-hmm. And again, that's in the best interest of the child, because again, in future years, you don't want them dating a genetic wow. sibling. or I never thought of thing. that. But no. it's also, it's for the child's best interest to know their genetic history, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's all um, in in the contract and things like that. Uh, Once the contracts are signed um, by each party, um, the placing family has three days to change their mind. And then once that time is up, those then became our children. Mm -hmm. And then um, those embryos were federal expressed to our clinic in California. And then my body was prepared to receive them. So now um, the doctors had to look at what stage the embryos were prepa- were frozen at. Um, they also had to call the... Now, this was 25 years ago, so things may have changed since then, but they had to call the, the clinic where they were created to get the um, freezing protocol so they could match <laughs> it with the thawing protocol. But now my body had to be... Um, ready and in, and in sync with where the embryos were. So I was given estrogen and progesterone um, and they're checking my mm-hmm. blood levels and they're also doing ultrasounds to see how my uterine lining is growing. So they have to time it just right so that those embryos, when they thaw them, because they thaw them and in our case, it was the next day they transferred them, but they have to make sure that they have advanced to where my uterine lining is to be the most optimum okay. to receive them. So, um, so, you know, they're continually, continually doing the ultrasounds and things like that. So we adopted 20 frozen embryos actually from another family. Wow. <laughs> and um, we, the first, the first time they saw 12 and only three survived mm. and they transferred those and I did not get pregnant. And mm. so they went back. I, I thought, I just want to go the next month again. So I called the embryologist. I did not know they were going to take pictures of the embryos in the Petri dish for you. But wow. And the doctor brings them in and says, here's the first picture for your baby book. Oh, and my goodness. So the, second, the second time I called the embryologist, I said, please snap a picture the day of thaw and the next day, day of transfer. I want to see what happens overnight. So he did. And when the doctor brought those pictures in, they said that um, we had they thawed the remaining eight and only, again, three survived. But... They said they had gone to their next stage of development overnight mm. in the Petri dish called compaction. And you can clearly see that mm. in the pictures. Wow. So that was really cool. And I also wanted to point out that, um, you know, the, again, like I said, this timing of putting the embryos in with my body, um, they just don't pick a day, right? They have to like, and they go, okay, you come in on Saturday for that. Well, it was, so So Hannah, our daughter, was part of those three embryos and she was thawed um on Good Friday and transferred the day before Easter (laughs) uh, when we as Christians celebrate new life. And so many times along the way we could see God's fingerprints in this, like, yes, this is what I want you to be doing. Right. Mm. And we just felt that was another time when we got another confirmation from God that, you know, this is where, this is what I want you to be doing. Mm. So then, then I had to wait, you know, the, um, continue to take progesterone estrogen injections, but, um, then, you know, the ultrasound and the blood work showed that I was pregnant with, you know, one, one baby. And when the doctor looked at the ultrasound, his mouth dropped open, and I'm like, oh, no, what's wrong? <laughs> and this was when he was telling me, like, how many I'm pregnant with, because I had three put in. He goes, this is a textbook implantation. He said, of all the places mm-hmm. the baby can implant, this is most awesome. Mm-hmm. I said, God doesn't do second best, <laughs> oh, you know. And again, man. it's like I knew that God God's hand was in this, you know. Yeah. We can see that from the very beginning. Well.
2: I want to ask a question to Hannah to bring her on before uh, we have to wrap up this program. Um, but we're going to have have you guys on for another show next week because there is so much to explore right. here. So much we haven't talked about so yet. So much. But Hannah, I have a question for you. Um, what was it like? Um, how did how did your parents explain to you your birth story? Do you have a first memory of them talking about this? And I'm I'm curious what kind of. Um, when they told you and and how that went down.
0: Yeah. So um, my mom really had to get creative with uh, how she would explain this to a child and that I would understand it and really have my mind as a young person, understand what was going on. And so she told me I was adopted as a seed and put into my mommy's tummy to grow. Mm-hmm. And so we actually froze some seeds and, she explained to me as we planted each one that not all of them are going to implant
1: mm. and not
0: all of them will turn into, I think they were carrots, but um, not all of them would turn into what they're meant to be. And so that was just a really wonderful way to explain it to me um, as a child.
2: Marlene, that was, had to be That's a God so given cute. idea.
0: <laughs> it was a total God given <laughs> Yeah. But, but there's another stuff like mom who has boys and, She was explaining to the boys about it, and they said, "You mean by Captain America?" We were yes, they thought it was the coolest, coolest thing. And I said, "That wouldn't have worked in our house because we had princesses, superheroes." (laughs) That's so. So Every like mom finds a finds a way to to explain it to their child.
1: Wow. That's so neat. Um, so from the time, I'm just curious, the time that you thought of this, that you said, Hey doctor, can we do this? How long was it before then your first positive pregnancy test or that you showed that you were pregnant?
0: So it was January of 1997 when I was in the doctor's office crying and, you know, I asked him about adopting embryos and then, um, it was actually on December 31st, that same year that we got matched with a family. Okay. And then it was March of 98 that I did my first transfer. So at the time, it felt like a lifetime, right? Because of course, I, yeah. I'm telling God, you know, I'm getting older here. <laughs> I actually had Hannah at 39 and a half. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, okay. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, so it was a year, but it was just, you know, because, you know, our doctor actually refused to do this because I don't know why he didn't return an AMF phone call. So that kicked us oh. out of our, oh my you goodness. know, insurance program. And so we had to find a doctor. And so that was, you know, just a whole big thing. So, wow. Well, um, they missed out but, on yeah, something so. really special. Right. Yeah. Well, I actually found out years later he did his first snowflake um, transfer eight years later because I know the family. And so it's like, wow, he could have done it eight years prior, but. That's true. (laughs) He chose not to. Oh my goodness. Um, So, can you
1: speak just a little bit on the. We we talked about um, the lives, how. how we lose those embryos sometimes if they're mm-hmm. not adopted. So what would be some some things for P- our listeners to think about or to consider if they're, um, if, maybe if this information is new to them or if they're considering mm-hmm. possibly adopting a snowflake?
0: So if you're thinking of placing your um, children um, for adoption uh, with nightlight they are um nightlight christian adoption they've been in business for 63 years they do international adoption foster adoption uh domestic and snowflakes but you are in control basically because you get to choose the um placing family or excuse me the adoptive family um and they you will tell nightlight the kind of family you're looking for the kind of contact you're looking for you know after the baby's born um And then they will send you profiles of people that have completed home studies and are ready to adopt. So you get to choose who you want. If you go through a doctor, um, you just donate them to a doctor and that's it. You don't know anything about those embryos. You don't know if they're born, if they're a boy or girl, where they're at, what their names are, anything about the families that um, I don't even want to say they adopted them. They just, you know, receive them, you know, Um, so that's why um, nightlight is, you know we 100% support nightlight and and the, what they do and their mission and they're the first ones ever to do this so they have a lot of expertise and they're in 10 states now you don't have to live in any of those states okay. but they have to know. you know you can contact you know some a nightlight in, near your state
2: okay and how can they how can they find nightlight do they have a
0: website we can point people to yeah so you can you can go on nightlight.org or you can go on snowflakes.org and they will basically you know, it'll take you to the Snowflakes portion if you go right to snowflakes.org. That's awesome. Well, we have so
2: many more questions for you both. We're going to have you ag- again on um, a future program to answer those. But before we wrap up the show, um, Marlene, would you mind praying for anyone real quickly that might be considering snowflake adoption?
0: Yes, of course. Um, Lord, we just bring to you those people that are listening right now that may be hearing this for the first time. Lord, um let them pray about that. Mm-hmm. See if this is the right um, fit for them and the right adoption program for them. Um, and just um, move them to move forward to um, either place their embryos for adoption or to adopt. Because these are um, lives mm-hmm. um, that you have a plan for. Yes. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming on the show. And thank you for listening to Hannah's Heart. We'll see you all next week.